have a little persuasive talk with these damned elephants. Phew! So what is it, you think, about a thousand degrees out there? She said. And even through his haze, he could tell she had that high little voice she used when she was trying to pretend everything was normal. And wouldn't you know, I sent the boys off to school in corduroy pants and hoodies. Can you imagine? They're going to melt. The boys. Jamie's son, Arlie, and Harris's grandson, Christopher. They were five years old, and at the thought of them, his chest tightened even more. If they were here, there'd be none of this sitting around, waiting for the strength to get up and make a gin and tonic. No, he'd be laughing and chasing them around the room, and they'd be giggling and climbing all over him. They saw him as a piece of living, breathing playground equipment, and he didn't try to make them see any different. Every afternoon since they started kindergarten in the fall, he'd met their school bus and spun them around in the driveway, then pretend raced them to the back door where Jamie was waiting for them. It made him tired to think of it. But he'd be better by 3.15 when the bus came. Of course he would. He exhaled, wondered if Jamie would get all crazy alarmed if he slid down onto the floor, maybe curled up here beside the table until the boys came home. He didn't feel like walking to the couch now, and all he needed was a nap. She was squinting at him, giving him that look that said he was a pathetic old man, which was ridiculous because he was only sixty-eight years old, and he happened to be, he'd actually looked this up, only two days older than Robert Redford. And did he really need to remind her that hardly anybody would dare put Redford in the pathetic category yet? Hell, he still got the girl in most movies. Harris took another ice-cold swig of water and looked at her managed one of the sly grins he was sort of famous for. Ever since he'd walked out on his wife and son back, oh, during the Pleistocene era, and had taken up with a new receptionist at the construction company where he'd worked, he'd somehow had this image to uphold, as somebody who couldn't stay away from women. People in town wouldn't hear of him acting any other way. Even now, tired of it all, he still had to be the town's sexy old rascal, still had to wear his jeans tight and his hair long, and he had to at least leer at Redford seemed a little puffy, doughy around the middle if you looked close. But this rock-hard body Harris had, well, he had his life of doing construction to thank for this, plus the fact that when he got to retirement age, instead of sitting down or going fishing, Harris had taken on the real task of life, raising his grandson. He'd tell anyone, if you want to stay young, keep up with a toddler when you're in your sixties. That'll either kill you or keep you going. For him, it had been the tonic he needed, saved him from all the guilt that had gnawed away at his insides. Nobody could say that taking on that kid didn't make up for his lifetime of crimes against his family. All that absolved. All those screwed-up days he'd spent around the time he left Maggie, when he just had to leave or else die in this house. Die of the boredom, because there was a whole catalogue of ways to be bored married to Maggie sitting in the dining room, listening to the forks clicking on the wedding present china. 
listening to the piping voice of little Nate, who always needed something, always wanted to play catch outside, always wanted to help Harris bang the hammers on the nails, or listening to Maggie talk on and on, pursing her lips and looking at him across the table, smiling like she was a member of some smug little housewives club, jabbering on about Olivia's meatloaf recipe, and should we have the Simpsons over? And him thinking, yeah, let's do. I slept with June Simpson just last month when I was there redoing her kitchen. God, it was everything. The heaviness of the light, the future bearing down on him so hard it was like none of the air was left.